0: It's time for a change. God offers His people a change that can only be described as spiritual awakening. Join Jackson First Baptist as we discover the path of spiritual awakening. Now, if you'll turn in your Bible to the book of Malachi, if you're not already there, in chapter number two, in a moment we're going to read together how that the prophet of God was seeing things that his generation was not seeing. We here at church believe this, that America's in trouble. We believe the reason that she's in trouble is, first of all, it starts with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, many have lied and been lied to. Many well-meaning believers have been following the teaching of people that have gotten completely, Brother Bobby, away from God's Word. And because of that, America is now down a downward slope. Now, you might not believe this or not. I don't know if you do or not, but I'm telling you the truth that America is on the brink of disaster. We had this illustrated for us this past year. I want you to look at the picture on the screen and see if you notice uh, where this picture is from. This picture was taken as the Champion South Tower apartments were falling in Miami, Florida this past year. You may not know this, but in 2018, according to a New York Times article, that the people that owned these towers were told that there, there are foundational cracks, and they've been there for a long time. They, they ignored it for a period of time because they already knew it cost millions of dollars to repair the foundation. But because of their lack of doing anything about it, even, even though they kind of put on a little farce and, and they had, had architects come in and they, did, they said this is what it will take. But they never did it. But it was too late when they decided to do it because when they decided to do it, the, the tower had already fallen. Hundreds of lives and thousands of people were affected forever. I want you to lean in with me today to realize that God from heaven is not the cause of our failure. God the Father from heaven is the cause of anything right that would come into our lives. And God loves us. And I want to tell you, some of you here today are not as of yet taking your own personal responsibility for why that America is in the shape that it's in. Do you, those of you that have young children in this church, and those who have teenagers in this church, or grandchildren, do you want your, your children raised in an environment as it is now and as it's going to be? If you don't, there needs to be an awakening in this country. Now, you say, Pastor, I, I'm not really following with you. You're probably like the article I read this week, Wednesday, and uh, in, in in Newsweek came out with an article this week. And I want, I want to tell you, here's what the article said. It said that America's workers are sick. Well, we know that. And listen, the caption underneath it really told the tale of the tape. Here's what it said. He said, employers are saying to the employees, put your mask on and be quiet. Put your mask on and go on to work. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, pastors, I'm going to tell you, pastors in other denominations and some in our own denomination knew that this was coming and what was taking place in America, but they put their mask on with people being sick in front of them and sickness inside their own heart. And they did nothing about it. Some of you say, now, preacher, oh, you you just, you just old-fashioned. Preacher, you, just, you really are just making it worse than it is. Their things are not really worse than they are. Well, let's be honest with each other for a moment. Let's just buckle it up and be honest. Number one is this. Look at this. Every generation has its own share of sin problems. Isn't that true? We're not the first. We read this past week in Genesis 19 how that the city of Sodom, Sodom, he was going on to sin in every way. And you know what God says, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is what? Every generation has its own sin problems. Secondly, I want you to think about this. Every generation has, listen to this, uh, develops its own issues of the day. We could spend our time together in the book Awakening. I, I, I wrote some of these things down, but let me give them to you. In our generation, we're facing gender identity. We're facing critical race theory. We're facing today the, the border crisis. We're facing today a government divide. We're facing today murder of the unborn, and we're facing racism, and we're facing a nation that does not know where she's going because she is not honest about where she's been. These are just a few of the issues, and, and students in this room, I tell you to sit up straight and awaken because you may think it does not apply to you, but two years ago when COVID came, you realized because of the mess up of our nation, you couldn't go to school, and you will find out as you go on to college and life that it's not nearly as easy as it seems right now because other people are fighting for you, but there's going to come a moment that it will be you up there and to make a decision about what's going on in this world, and listen to me, if you don't see correctly You won't act correctly and you won't do correctly. And if you're believing something with all your heart that some preacher has told you and someone else has told you, but it has no foundation, there will be a great fall. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Write this down. Every generation builds, listen to this, on the foundation of previous generations. Do you believe that? You say, what do you mean? If my daddy did it, guess what? I'm going to do it. My dad this morning, the first thing that dad said to me after I said hello, my dad will be 81 this coming week. First thing that dad said to me after I said hello, he said, did you watch the cats whip up on Kansas last night? Yes, I did. Why? Because my dad watches them, so it now comes down the path that I watch. Now, I want you to hear this. America is either going to get better based on its foundations or it's going to get worse. Do you know that the children of Israel began to get worse, according to 1 Kings chapter 14, and verse 22, that Judah began to sin, and the prophet of God said this to them, you have committed more sins than all your fathers before you. When things begin to build, they begin to get worse all the time. say, so, Pastor, why do you say this? Because we are in the deep end today, and I want to tell you that I pray with all my heart that you wake up and see what's going on around you, and make the decision that you need to make to develop a different foundation than the previous generations. Listen to me. The last three generations in America, if not longer than that, have lived a life with a non-biblical worldview. So what's a non-biblical worldview? It's a view that says, I'm going to do what I want to. It's a view that says, this is not the standard. And those of us that have a biblical worldview, we know that we have to fight every day to stand on the standards of God's Word. And so today what I want to do is to look in Malachi chapter 2 into chapter 3. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask three questions today. Number Question number one is this. What were the sins that the prophet of God in his day wrote about? Listen to what the Bible says. Say amen if you're in chapter 2 and verse 10. I know that's a boatload of stuff. That's just kind of setting the, the stage so that you can go. It's kind of like, you know, when you're taxing down the runway and they're trying to get all those things in on you for, you know, buckle your seat, do this and do that, and most people are asleep. Hopefully you're awake. But here we take off. Here's what it says, chapter 2, verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Let me pause there and ask you this question. Were you created by you or by a creator? Have we not all one Father? Red, yellow, black, white. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God, notice, created us? The ex nihilo, out of nothing. The uncreated creator has created. Now watch this. Why then? Are we faithless to one another? In other words, why, why are you, as, as a creation, being unfaithful to your creator, profaning the covenant of our fathers? Judah has been faithless, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he says he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign god. You say, what in the world is he saying? What were the sins of their day? Number one was this, they abandoned the family as God intended. You say, what in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. In the very beginning in creation, God God the Father walked in the garden, and Adam was his what? His son. Now listen to me. This happened with the children of Israel. In chapter 4 of the book of Exodus, as they were coming out, this busting nation, God said, I am your father, you are the children of Israel. They came to Exodus 20, and God says, here are conditions of our relationship. We call them ten what? Commandments. And the Bible says the very first one is that, that you shall love the Lord thy God and have no other gods before me. But here's what ended up happening with Israel. By the time of Malachi, they had gone into captivity and they had come out now. And God said this to them you've forgotten where you came from. Look to me, look to me today. Where did you come from? Who's been the giver of all that you have in your life? Has it not been Almighty God? You see, when when, when, when this world was created, Adam had one thing in his heart, and that was to honor his father. But when he sinned, there was one thing that came into his heart. Listen to this, be faithful to thyself. And we live today in society, listen to me, young people, you need to understand, people around you are not for you, they're for themselves. America is no longer for for God, they are for themselves. And and so the prophet of God began to speak and he said, you have abandoned this relationship and you are faithful. Do we not know that when when you disavow your faith in God that it's open season for sin? In nations that have fallen in the past, the nations that had not God as their Lord, they began to fall from the inside internally as they fell apart from God. You say, Pastor, I don't know if you understand or not. The old folks in this room will understand. Most of them won't admit they old folks. But the older folks say things like this. Young people, see if you've ever heard this. Have they ever said to you, boy, things didn't used to be this way? That times are worse you know why that they're worse? They're, they're worse because we have walked farther and farther away from God. Now, listen to me. People don't want to admit the truth today that we've abandoned God as the father, as the leader, as the chooser. Now, here's where it's going to really hurt. You've been lied to. Since you've been lied to, you've been told, some of you have been told that pornography was okay, but same-sex marriage was not okay. Neither one of them are okay. I want you to hear that. Neither one of them are okay. Listen to me. we got white folks that that are beating up people that are choosing alternate lifestyles, and we don't even know why. I'm going to tell you why. If you were in a family, now watch this, that was totally dysfunctional, if you were in a home where that dad exploited your mama, you know what that means, mistreated in every way, had multiple affairs. Do you know that in the church today, it's the latest statistic says that 26% of all men who go to church are engaging in open affairs every day. And 16% of all Christian women are engaging in open affairs every day. You've been lied to. Some of you grew up in a home with a dysfunction, and so what ended up happening was the the, the preachers were preaching on Sunday that that you would have a relationship under God. There's God the Father. Somebody asked me this week, how do you live your life? It's God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. It is my wife, and then the church. That's how I lead my life. And some of you have been raised in a place where it was so dysfunctional that the preacher was saying that you were to be married to a person of the opposite sex, and then you saw the person of the opposite sex, and they treated you like hell. And so you broke up when the, when the divorce came. You said, I don't want that lifestyle because there's no love there. And so if, if God said that's the way it is, I don't want to follow God the Father. Look at me, let's just be honest. You don't know want why they choose the same tra- sex attraction? Because there's a hole in their heart and they want love. And if they don't get it in one way, they're willing to say that, that a lost and dying world and also preachers that have forgotten the truth of the gospel have laid down. And listen to me, just because some guy did wrong does not mean the process that God put in place is good. Because when God created Adam and Eve they were in the garden together, there was a family, it was a perfect family to unleash the leadership of God. And let me tell you that if Eve could have gotten back to the garden, she would have. And I want to tell you today, we don't throw the the wash away. We excuse me, we don't throw the baby away with the wash. And the problem is today, we've got children that are being raised in the church where that dad is on pornography. He's not living the life that he should be living, and they're saying, "I'm not going to follow that God." No, amens in the room, but you know it's the truth. Some of you have lived your life and you've got half a truth of, of Christianity and a half a truth of our country and you've kind of put them together and you understand, you say, this, this is just not working. So I'm going to try this other thing. This pastor has come up to the pulpit and said, it's okay to have same-sex attraction. It is not okay. That is sin. It's also not okay to lie and to cheat. It's not okay to not love your spouse. It's it's not okay to waste all your money on booze and yourself and expect the family just to get by. It's It's not okay for the dad to lay down and make the wife do everything. It's not okay. And because of that, in the days of Malachi, they abandoned their faith, and the generations were like, well, if you've abandoned it and you don't believe it, why should I believe it? It gets worse. I know it does. Look in verse 13, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. Anybody in this room been praying lately? Anybody in this room lately just been saying, I don't know what it is, but I'm in a mess and I can't get out of it. I'm not happy. I'm trying all these things I've been told to do. Everybody in books, I've bought the books, but it hadn't worked. I've been listening to the conspiracy theory. That hadn't worked. I've been listening to the government. That hasn't worked. I've been listening to preachers. That hadn't worked. I've been listening to my coaches, my teachers. I've been listening to everybody, but it has not worked. There's a reason it has not worked. And he tells us here, But you say in verse 14, why does God not work? Here's why. Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you've been faithless, though she is your companion, and your wife by covenant. Here's the deal. There was the abuse of the family unit. God intended one man, one woman, one lifetime. But the men in Judah, the men in Israel, were divorcing their wives for any reason. When they were young, they loved them, but now they're old. Anybody know what I'm talking about in the room? For Israel, it was rampant. There was divorce, and the priests were saying, as long as you have a reason, it's okay for you to divorce. No one was hanging in there. How many times in my young childhood have I heard my pastor sitting at his feet telling people to hang in there and not knowing the abuse that was going on at home. Telling them to hang in there and the exploitation of women. I mean, listen to me. When you begin to see in spiritual awakening, you'll see what you didn't previously see. When we let these things go on, our young girls have to come to church and dress in a risque way. And when we stand up and say, that's not the right way, parents get all cranked up and say, well, that's what everybody else is doing. No amens in the room. Young ladies, I tell you, we are not going to exploit you or let you be exploited. We're going to love you and care for you and treat you in a godly way. We are, you are in a church that our, our number four core value is this, is that we value the family unit as a place for God does discipleship and leading. And in this church, you are in a place that says we will protect. When kids go to camp, we'll put them, listen to me, and girls in one and guys on the other. But you say, well, you don't even let them swim together. You know why? Because back at home, daddy's watching the wrong thing and mama's doing the wrong thing and we have to establish a new pattern. And we're establishing a pattern of love and care because I want to present that girl on the day of her wedding to that boy, whoever it might be, that she's never known anybody. That they'd be a love relationship. I want to stand in the sacred desk to say this, that Sherry and I will soon be married for 30 years. And I want to have a church where that people have been married 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 years. Allison, to have people like your grandparents, who have for all their life put forth the standard. To put forth the standard for us of love, not perfection. How can God bless a nation that lives the way that we live? And pastors get in the pulpit. You say, well, why does God want marriage in the first place? Look in verse 15. Did he not make them one with, listen to this, with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And with, was the one God seeking? He was seeking godly offspring. God's purpose in marriage is for the procreation to build his kingdom. There is no hope apart from him no hope apart from God and brothers and sisters in this church today thank you so much for standing up and more of us need to stand up more of us across this room need to stand up and quit wasting our time who cares or not whether or not the restaurant listen to me, get your food in three minutes or not that's not the issue If you want to post this week, post the thousands of babies that are being aborted this week. Uh, Post the exploitation of women. Post the exploitation of children. Post about the things that really count. Adopt a child. Become a part of a change in this church. That's what God has called us to do. You say, but what else is there, Pastor? It can't get any worse than that. Oh, yes, it does. When you look down in verse 17 of the text, here's what the Bible says. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have you wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. Did you just hear that? And God delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? You see, they, they, they truly abandoned the family as God intended. They, they abused the family, but thirdly, there was the assault on the truth. Here's the bottom line. There are preachers standing saying it's good when it was actually bad. That's why in America today, why today that abortion on demand is to be debated? Because listen, one Sunday the preacher stood up and didn't say what he should. That's why today that our students for the past two or three generations—some of you, some of you couldn't get your children or grant you, couldn't beg them to come to church. You know why? Because they've been—they've been to a place where the pastor ha- ha- exploited a student and didn't lose his job because they covered it up. You've been in a place where they played with them and they didn't want to give them too much of the word of God. A little old wild woman come up. A mother came up and said, you're not going to tell my kid that they're a sinner. You're not going to discipline my kid. You're not going to do that in a church. They'll do what I want them to do. And if you don't do what I want you to do, I'll take my kid out. And some mealy mouth student pastor just kind of rolled over. And now that mother's a grandmother. And there's two generations, Lane. No God. Malachi was broken because here in his own day, the Levites, the preachers would stand up and say, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Can I tell you, you've been lied to. You've been lied to. But there's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a word of God that is faithful. And can I give you some good news today? Because you need it right now, and I need it right now. Listen to me. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true church, is awakening. There are churches and pastors and Christians and deacons and leaders who are awakening the fact that the, that the cow has got out of the barn and nobody did anything about it. There have been many that have stayed the course and been faithful. This church has been a remnant. And there's certainly, you may say, I was here earlier on in the race and there are things that happened. Forgive us if they did. If it's been under my watch, you come and look me in the eye and tell me what it is and we will deal with it biblically. But if it was not under my watch, it was under somebody else's watch, I can't do what they did. We'll make it right the best that we can because we believe every part of this book. We believe every part of the truth, and we want to stand the truth. And I have never met anybody that got born again in a church that was born again, that was awakening, that they were not better off than when they started. That's why we're committed. That's why Michael's at Parent Baptist Church now, Passionate. That's why another couple of our members have gone down there and that will join down there today, serving down there with them. That's why that we have Nate in Chicago. That's why we have Nate in Kentucky. That's why we have a church in Marietta. That's why churches are everywhere kind of coming up. Why? Here's why, here's the question. What are the sins of our generation? You already know what they are. What are the sins of our generation? The sins of our generation is the fact, first of all, that the church went to sleep at the wheel. The church went to sleep at the wheel. But let me tell you, you're in a church that's not not asleep at the wheel, but holding on to the wheel. We are so agitated with the state of America that we can't sleep at night. We're so agitated that we as a church are saying, God, whatever we can do, we are going to do what you want us to do. That's why we look different every Sunday. You never know who's going to be singing. You never know who's going to be here next week. We may send 20 out here this week to plant a church somewhere. We may spend all of our money, you say, all of our money, helping missions and locally, caring for people all the time, all the way. We are not hoarders here, we are givers here. Because in the midst of a chaotic world, there's a God in heaven who says, I'll fill you with fresh fire from heaven. Say, preacher, this, this is a mess, and there are all these sins. Here's the question. What's the solution for our sin? If I could today, not in arrogance or in pride, I would pull out of some of you the non-biblical worldview that, that somebody told you was a biblical worldview and I would just rip it apart. The view that somehow or another would allow a young lady to be exploited. To allow a young man to be exploited. To, to allow someone who had all the talent, the ability of the world to say it's okay to go and sell yourself at the, at the demon of this world. If I, if, I, if I could, I would take some of your parenting skills and I would, just, I would just do this and throw it away. Whoever told you that that you were to give all yourself to the world and what you have left over to church, I, I would just tear, tear it up and I would throw it away. If I could today, the, the word divorce, I, I, I would tear it up. Tom Brocco said this, he said this, of the great generation, it was the last generation that made a commitment that said marriage is the way it is and that divorce is not even in our vocabulary. I wouldn't. If I could today take your heart and just change it, I would, but I can't. But here's what you can do. Number one is this. You can personally repent of sins of the past and of the present. You say, what do you mean? Well, listen to me. God is a forgiving God. Listen to what the promise in chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. John the Baptist was coming in, in Jesus' day, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, said the Lord of hosts. Can you imagine when Jesus in John 8 and 12 came 400 years later and stood in the temple and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows after me will not walk in darkness. Wouldn't you like to go to a church that believed the truth? Would you like to be in a church where the pastors and the leaders did what they are supposed to do? Not perfect, but progressive. Wouldn't you like to do that? Would you like to be able in a community not to worry at night and not have to lock your doors? Would you be able, like to be able to trust the government? would you like to be able to trust police? and Would not police like to be able to trust you? Would you not like to be in a place where people get along and love each other? If you're going to, there's got to be personal repentance. Some of you in this room know what I'm talking about. God's already dealt with your heart for a long time. In Malachi 2 and 16, you know what the Bible says? God hates divorce. If you are divorced in this room and been married again, and God has forgiven you and you've dealt with all that, aren't you glad you're free? I've never met a person that's been divorced yet who'd say, I want that for my kids. I'm not putting you down. You're not a second-class citizen. God is forgiven. And listen to me, that's all that counts. And you're usable for the kingdom of God in great ways. And here, you're not a second-class citizen. Here, God loves you and we love you. And you serve here and we're pr- proud of what God's doing inside of you. But God's better path is this, until death do you part. Or His path is for you to be Christian as a single person. That is the beauty that God could use in your path. But the man of God said, there's a day when Jesus is coming. But listen to me, you've got to repent of your sins because if you don't, look in verse 2. But who can endure the day of His coming? He jumps, the prophet does, from prefiguring Christ's first coming. He jumps in one verse thousands of years to the time of His second coming. Jesus is coming again. Who can endure Secondly, you've got to do this. You've got to tear down the foundations of your sin. You say, Pastor, you've sure slowed down here in this part of the message because I want you to get this. The solution is your personal repentance. God, God says, I will do some things, but I won't do anything until you do something. You must repent. See, when you repent, you're not done. You say, well, I've done that. I got baptized. It's over. No, 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 no. Now you've got to rage war and wage war because some of you were raised with a lie and that lie has to be changed the only way that you can change is if if you put everything right here up against God's word not my opinion but God's word you put everything up against God's word and here's what happens the Bible says here he comes he who can stand when he appears for he's a refiner's fire what God does is puts the heat to you you ever been you ever had the heat put to you when God puts the heat to you, the Word of God, that which is wrong comes to the top, and the Holy Spirit of God just wipes it away when you repent. Some of you haven't had that in a long time. You've never had it rise to the top. No one's ever told you, but today you've been told, and boy, it's hot in this room. You're like, if he just shut up, I'd get out of here. You can't, I locked the door. No. no, I love you. God's got a purpose for your life. Sometimes students will say, well, I'm home and dead. I can never do enough to please them. If that's you today, you ought to repent. Because as long as they please the Lord, that's what counts. And when they do what God wants them to be, young person in this room, you may be saying, I'm sexually pure today and everybody's making fun of me. Well, you stay that because someday God's going to reward that. When you walk down the aisle and, or wherever you may be outside of a barn or wherever you choose to do that, when you walk down, you will not regret that you stayed the course. It's time that some of you tear down the foundations. That you tear down all those things that you were lied about to, how you used to walk and how you used to hear. It's time that you come to a place. Because I'm telling you, my mama used to pour it into me, brother. She'd look at me and say, boy, they may say you're ignorant, but you're not. Nothing is impossible with God. She'd stand to me and say, you can be Billy Graham someday. I'm raised from the head of a holler in eastern Kentucky where they're all coal miners. My dad was for 45 years, and my mom said, that will not be your future. You ought to be in a church where they tell you that your future is better than your past. In a church that says that God is a refiner, but also He's a fuller soap. What in the world does that mean? He'll clean you up. We catch them, God cleans them, and they're never the same. Some of you in this room today, you need to hear this. God says, I love you, and you are not an accident. God created and fashioned you. I don't care if it ha- how it happened. As far as what men and women say, you may not know your daddy. But I point you to a papa who's worthy of knowing, who is worthy of knowing, who sent his son to die in your place. He loves you so much, even though you're born in a mess. God says, "I I I want you." That's good to be wanted. But it's even better to be wanted by a righteous and holy and just and a God who is unchanging. That's what I want you to hear today. You say, but I don't know that God. I know you don't. Because the truth is, your forefather and mine, Adam, messed it up for you. So when you were born, you were born as a sinner away from God with the world pushing at you and pulling at you and could care less and would rip you apart. But God came to you. He came to you before you ever knew it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came in the fullness of time and gave his life on the cross. God commended his love towards you, and while you were a sinner, he died in your place. He said, but he didn't know about me. Listen, he didn't know about where I'd be from. He didn't know what I'd go through. Oh, yes, he did. Ephesians 1 says it before the foundation of what God knew it, and also the Bible says, Hebrews chapter 7, that God sees ahead in time. And while he was on the cross, let me tell you, the old country song, Christian writer was correct. You were on his mind. And if you're on his mind, it's time to that, that listen to me, that you get him on your mind. And so God cares for you. He came in Jesus Christ in the form of Christ, and he said, I love you. And if you will turn from your sin and follow me, watch this. I'll give you a new life. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Here it is. got to build on the foundation of God's word. The Bi- do you believe the Bible? The Bible says... If you confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Thank you for taking the time to find God's answers to life's greatest issues. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.